Hello and welcome to Appetite for Production. Beyond the Grave. It's, it's, not, it's not Beyond the Grave. You're still alive. And you probably will be when this airs. Okay. Let's hide home. Sure thing. But <laughs> we are recording this episode in the past. Yes. I'm a ghost. That is right. I... I'm not in the country at the moment, although I am when I'm recording this, but I'm not when this is going out, because I am on my annual jaunt to them Balkans. Yes, the former Yugoslavia, where I was once bereaved. You were never bereaved. I was never bereaved. You you are going to check out some Balkan bass, is that correct? Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Wicked. Uh, Well, that's something for you to look forward to. It is going to be strong. Okay, Wicked. Well, that's something for both of us to look forward to. I can't wait to hear about it when you get back. Anyway, we have been recording little bits of extras and shifting around our timeline over the last few episodes. So we've got plenty of lovely content oh content my favorite thing to push to you keep it oozing out of the content hole um yes and unfortunately this episode is going out right about the time of nam so there is gonna be timing james yeah i mean there's gonna be no nam news in it however when we come back in about two weeks time we're gonna be unrolling a huge nam carpet full of whatever goodies are announced so would you say it's gonna be like a nam flashback Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Brill. Timmy and Jimmy's Nam flashback (laughs) in two weeks' time. (laughs) Look forward to it. Anyway, on with this episode, and we see you soon. Okay, see you later. Oh, no, that's like the end. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you wanted to talk about... Uh, a sort of summary of a massive discussion slash poll that was done by the Reddit R Synthesizers channel uh, on their Discord. Yeah, I mean, because this is kind of, this isn't, I don't think this is realistically a view, uh, a normie view of things, but this is this is what the real geeks are saying, basically. People who discuss synthesizers on Reddit. Yeah, so this is the, quote, unofficial poll for the best and worst gear of 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I usually talk mostly about plugins. Uh, it's not much of that, but there are things we can talk about. There we are things like, we can we highlight. Like real stuff as well, don't we? Sometimes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the real world. Yeah, we're, we're, we're like the hentai uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 of right. music production. Well, I got into Reddit because I was interested in Rage Comics. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's all the cool stuff's on Reddit. Fair enough. This was a long time ago, I should say. So, the first thing that jumps out of me is the please stop slash worst trend category. Yeah. Um, now, the results of this, 35% of people said uh, subscription models yeah. are the things they hate the most. And yes. I think that, you know, that chimes with everything we've ever heard ever. Yeah, I mean, I think it, the users probably hate it. I think companies probably love it. Oh, yeah. Because it's cash, cash money. 65% of people in that Reddit work for the company. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, mate, with my with my ongoing cash flow crisis, I'm feeling like subscription models are a bit of a pain in the bum. Yeah, mm. it's annoying. Well, yeah, like we've said before, we will reach peak subscription. Everyone will reach their own personal peak subscription uh, at some point, and we'll have to start sloughing off the things they don't, or can't afford anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think it seems like a bubble that may burst. 
Mm. Well, it's it's just another industry trend, just like, you know, interactive social media. Yeah. All of those things. Now it's subscriptions. And, well, I think subscriptions, before subscriptions, it was in-app purchases. Yeah, yeah. we'll move from subscriptions to something else, probably. Yeah, I guess. At, um, at 24% in that poll, sponsored YouTube influencer demos. Yeah, um, you want to feel like you can trust people. I mean, we try and be transparent, don't we, James? Oh, yeah, we uh, will never be caught advertising something like the wonderful Roland Cloud subscription service. Or Chords by Loot Masters, which is out now. <laughs> <laughs> what else do, What else do we bang on about? Splice, that's another one. We do Cheap talk, waves plugins, we do, I like. We do talk about Splice a hell of a lot, but we've never... Received any sponsorship money for this podcast? Ever. Yeah, give us some money. Yeah, we know we haven't. Give us some money, guys. Come on, look, we are waiting to be corrupted. We will do anything for cash, right, James? Yeah, I will. I will literally. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> so don't 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 carry on with that thought. Anywho, mm. um, this is an interesting problem and an interesting talking point because you and I used to work for. Big publishing. Yeah. Big music tech publishing. Yeah. And one thing I found while I was still there, it was really interesting because these YouTube influencers were coming up and just emerging. Mm. And we know all the tricks. We know what's what. And what, we, what are these tricks? That sounds a bit sinister. Well, we know how the industry works behind the scenes. And we could see that a lot of these YouTube influencers were basically being paid to do something. And there was a particular product, which I'm not going to mention, which um, we had reviewed, the traditional media had reviewed as being all right, but not very good and needs a lot of improvement. And some of the YouTube influencers came along and we're talking about how great it is. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you tell me and then bleep it out? Yeah, it was the system oh okay okay uh where you've got it's a really bad okay uh and we realized it was a pretty weird state we've got to where the traditional media is honest yeah and the little guy working from his bedroom is being paid by interests mm. um i mean the thing is i would probably prefer to have you know, we need them both, I think. But the traditional media can sometimes have a lot more integrity than you think in mm. saying what's what. Yeah, I mean, I never I never saw a situation where I was like, whoa, there's something dodgy going on here. Mm. I mean, I was, I was never really encouraged to say anything was good or bad. Yeah. I mean, I had some of my low scores bumped up a little bit uh, when I really slated something. Well, but the, that was that was it, basically. That's still, there are still people above you who can have different opinions. Yes. You know, if yeah. an editor sees that and tries it out for themselves and has a different opinion, then there is reason for that to happen. What that didn't happen to is your 2 out of 10 score for Magic's Music Maker. Nice. Um, yeah, wicked. Which, I don't know if you still have the copy for that, but I wanted to read that out on the podcast one day, because it's <laughs> okay. fucking brilliant. Oh, sick. Wicked, wicked. <laughs> um, yeah, I really suffered to do those reviews, man. With the registry editor installing 
Oh, God. It. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was awful. So, Fuck. The, yeah, 24% of people don't like sponsored YouTube influencer demos. That's completely fair. And I think we've all got to sort of go into this new media landscape with, uh, with caution. Uh, although you and I are the currently working in both traditional and new with this unsuccessful podcast that we yeah 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 let me reiterate we are open to bribery of any kind and we're cheap right and finally in that the the third place the bronze medal for shit that people don't like Mm. hardware controllers that don't work without software i mean that's pretty understandable from our synthesizers i mean you want plug and play Mm-hmm. But if it's a very sophisticated thing, it's probably going to need software somewhere down the line. But I, I can get what they're saying. Yeah, I mean, it does just seem very practical to make stuff go on on the computer yeah. rather than having it go on in the hardware. So, mm. you know, I get both sides of that, really. It depends what you're into. Uh, let's move forward. Uh, should we do best trend? Yeah, why not? Um, so number one was knob per function interfaces. 42%. Yeah, that's. I think that's a great idea. I mean, they've got a picture here of this Detronics thing that looks like a nightmare, but I'm sure once you know what you're doing, it's much better than... Because, like, stuff like... I used to have a uh, Virus Rack XL, uh-huh. which was, like, a basically a full-on access virus, and you had to program it with, like a couple of knobs and a few... Well, a couple of rotary mm. encoders and a few buttons. It goes back to what we were saying about the DX7. Oh, oh yeah, man. Can you imagine, like, trying to program a DX7 back does, in the day? Does Nightmare. this extend to things like... Things with a shift key where you can... Like, I, like yeah, I think shift... Yeah, I think get rid of shift keys. Get rid of all of that stuff. It's got to be knob per function. Yeah, I, guess, I don't want to mess around with anything else. I guess it's also a size and cost issue. You know, it would need a bigger interface and you would need to sell more buttons on a thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy a lot of hardware. Um, but if I did, I would much prefer that I had access to everything. Because if you, you know, if you're going to have like a really convoluted hardware interface, you might as well be doing it in software and, yeah. you know, pro- you know, sending the data via MIDI or whatever. True. Fair enough. Uh, 25% of people love CV and gate output on keyboards. Yeah. I mean, this is something that doesn't interest me at all. But if you're <clears> some kind of... Eurorack slash Volker-loving bad boy. I guess that's a real, real bonus. And 22% of people love uh, bronze medal synth clones, which I guess is Behringer. Yeah, yeah. Um, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Behringer seem to be smashing it. I mean, they're upsetting a lot of people for various other reasons, but the people love these clones, and it's very, very understandable. Send in the clones. <laughs> nice, I like that. Um, best style. Okay. They've given it to the Moog Grandmother. Yeah. At 57%. Yeah. And <clears throat> I guess it should be quite a controversial-looking thing. It, it looks nice in some ways, but, I mean, Moog aren't used to putting a load of colour on things. Uh, I... I personally quite like it. I think it looks a bit naff, like something kind of old and not very cool, basically. But mm-hmm. I guess not cool is cool now. Is that right? Is uh, that how things are going? I believe that's how things work now, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't like the look of this synth. Maybe if I saw it in real life, I'd be like, hmm, that's a sexy synth, but I don't know, man. Mm. Uh, what doesn't look good about it to me are the pitch band and mod wheel. Mm-hmm. They're a bit coggy. I don't like it. <laughs> Look a bit Fisher Price. 
Uh, and just simply the fact that it doesn't have many keys. That makes it less appealing to me personally. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, just visually, I don't like the way some of it's coloured and some of it's black. That uh-huh. seems weird to me, just from a visual design point of view. But hey, whatever. You're not you're not a fan of synths of colour. Uh, I no, I want more colour actually, James. I okay. see what you're trying to paint me as some kind of racist here. Um, <laughs> Synth racist. He's, he's not going down like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I like I like I like things of colour. Though on the other hand, most of the stuff I own is monochrome. So mm. who knows? Let's scroll through. Okay, most confusing. Oh, we can do most confusing. Teenage engineering OPZ. I'll give you that. Um. I look. I just don't get teenage engineering stuff. I don't understand why people like it. I don't really understand why people like the OP one. I mean, can you explain that to me? Maybe. Uh, I think it's because uh, he trained Luke Skywalker. And, <laughs> oh right. Well, and of then course. He sort of comes back in visions to sort of pep him up. Every yeah. So often. He give, yeah. He gives him a kind of like a bit of a boost when he needs it or whatever. Kind yeah. Of, Kind of like tells him, him off and stuff sometimes. Basically, his job is to remind Luke to use the Force. Yeah, totally. And also, I don't know if you've ever been in the cave. Are you really going to take this further? And then you've been, like, sort of menaced by your dad. <laughs> and then you strike your dad down and it turns out it's you. Uh, we've all been there, right? We've Yeah, sort of. <laughs> similar. Uh, what does the OP1 actually do? It's like a, it's it's some kind of built, it's got some kind of built-in recording thing. You can use it as a, it's like a little workstation. We're Is talking that right? about the OPZ anyway. I know, but I don't, still don't understand the OP1. So I want to kind of build up my knowledge level from zero. Uh, it's got very, I guess it's meant to be very symbolic um, <laughs> legending. Right. But okay. it's not the kind of symbolism that people are used to. I kind of like those four big knobs because it looks like you have to use screwdrivers to, mm, uh, yeah. to turn them. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's all... I think the fact is that everything looks exactly the same except for the symbols. Yeah. And you could... Get, they, there needs to be a bit more priority on the user interface. So bigger knobs to denote what's more important. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do... I do, yes... <clears throat> Just like, I mean, we're talking about knob per function, um, and there are a lot of kind of synths where you would just get a billion knobs and they're all the same size. You used to get a lot of software synth interfaces like that, and they'd just be confusing. So, mm. yeah, I like, a, I like a bit more of a kind of um, an intuitive design, shall we say. Yeah. Uh, scrolly Downy. Best software synth? Best software synth. That seems like more our world. Yeah, I mean, um, best software synth, VCV Rack. I've seen a lot of people talking about this recently. People I have didn't realise it was a thing, man. Yeah, yeah, it's been a thing for a while. People have been going on about it basically since it came out. It's been really successful. That's cool. Um, I've never tried it. I, I know the kind of philosophy. I'm just not... It doesn't really resonate with me. But, um, <laughs> nice fun. I like to see what you did there. I'm sure it's good, though. Um Yuhi's Repro 5 and Omnisphere 2.5, both clocking up 21.5%. Yeah. Joint second place. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And then Arturia V Collection. That is uh, not a synthesizer. That is a package of synthesizers. Well, yeah. I mean, you can see why people like it. I never used to be interested in the Arturia stuff recent, well, but until recently. And now it seems they've got some stuff that other people 
um, haven't done in there in terms of the synths they're emulating. Uh-huh. And it seems like they've got a bit more, they've got a kind of a nice, consistent design for all their plugins now. Okay. Sort of the stuff that goes around the synth. So that's, you know, that feels fair enough, basically. And I've started using that stuff a little bit. What I'm most interested in is the next category, the best software effect. Oh, okay. Which uh, places number one and two gold and silver medals have gone to Yuhi. Number one for Color Copy and number two for the recently released Twangstrom, which is a spring reverb. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty surprised that these are the things that are exciting people because obviously <clears throat> he makes stuff that sounds great and, and is... They are mostly known for making synths. Yes, yes. But winning these effects categories, it bodes well. Yeah, I mean, they're doing great. I hadn't heard of Goodhart's Megaverb at all, um, but so I checked it out and uh, yeah, it seems like it's a cool sort of thing that I'd be into. It's kind of like a sort of crappy 90s reverb which hey. is right up my alley so yeah <laughs> gonna have to give that a try i reckon um best diy <clears throat> kits uh black box corporation decades dream now do you know what that is an emulation of james i have no idea what that is well you sh- the clue is in the name let's see if we can i'm gonna patronize you like a primary school teacher now now what film is Deckard a character in? I have no idea. Are you serious? Are you pulling my leg? No. It's Blade Runner, son. Okay. Have you seen Blade Runner? Is it CS80? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, so you can buy these as a kit and you can buy it fully formed. I would like it <clears throat> pre-built, but it's three and a half thousand dollars. So I will not be buying a Deckard's dream, unfortunately. So I'm pretty sad about that. I have seen Blade Runner. I've seen it twice, but both times I was incredibly drunk. Uh, Do you know what? Blade Runner only gets good once you've seen it about four or five times. Mm. So I'd recommend watching it several times in a row. Most exciting Behringer clone. (laughs) So was that a category? Teased, leaked or announced. Oh, okay, okay. So top is the UBXA. Okay. UB, obviously this is the OBXA, but the Yuli Behringer XA. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, 23 point, sorry, 21%. Would look nice. Boopiter 8. Well, who wouldn't want a Boopiter 8? That would be pretty sweet. And the BARP 2600. Yeah, I mean, there's already, they already done like an, I thought they'd already done like an ARP one. Like, is that the ARP Odyssey, is it? (laughs) Um, They've done a clone of the, well, the clone of the Korg of the Korg Arp Odyssey. Yeah. They cloned the Korg Arp Odyssey. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. No, you're more into classic synth than I, so um, maybe maybe you have more insights than I do. Nah, I don't. To be honest, I don't really follow hardware rumors. Um, I'm sure any of these would be received with great acclaim if they're as accurate as the Boog. Mm. So, yeah, that, you know, makes sense. Fair enough. Okay, I think that is most of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting, interesting little things there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to end this one. Sick, wicked. Well, there we go. Resident Advisor. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Resident Advisor. It is a kind of hipstery electronic music website that's pretty big. And they've uh, got rid of the comments on their stories, I guess. Mm. So, I mean, you know, internet comments are never... You know, they're never the 
the best of humanity. They are toxic, Brittany. I think that is a very <laughs> easy uh, way to describe them, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. But some people are playing fair. Some people are always <laughs> some people are always treating these things reasonably. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> should the reasonable people suffer because some people are douchebags? It's a very tricky question. I, for example, um, suggested that we stopped having comments enabled on producer masterclass videos. Because the comments, while not help, while not kind of hateful, were not constructive, basically, and would just complain about stuff. So, and it's it's really annoying because not everything is perfect. But when something is, you know, uh, definitely going to appeal to a certain audience, but there are comments there yucking someone else's yums. It kind of just puts a bit of a dampener on everything. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. But I guess this is something we've never had to deal with before, which we suddenly have in our faces. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what she said. I'm sorry. We can't just uh, we can't just drop stuff. I think I mean, maybe the real reason that they've stopped the comments is because they had to waste too much time moderating them well this is the thing if um if we had infinite resources and you could have a person whose dedicated job it was to just like get rid of uh, like hateful comments that would be fine um i guess media companies are generally running on razor thin profit margins these days so that is not you know that is not realistic you know mm. um yeah I, i'm in two minds because i mean is that right to just remove it from their website because it's their website sure um, they're a business but you know they've got to do what's in their business's <clears throat> interest i guess if they're doing this purely because they think people are getting hurt yeah that's a slightly different thing because you know don't you just let let the bad guys win um what by stopping them from being abusive i don't know man I don't know. It's a very tricky question. I mean, we've, you know, everyone knows what YouTube comments are like specifically. Oh, yeah. YouTube comments specifically are the worst of of humanity, right? Yeah, like really, really awful. Um, Reddit can be toxic as well. Like some really horrible, horrible things on there. I mean, the thing is, this is stifling discussion. And I'm a big fan of free speech, James, and I'll tell you why. Be, no, be, you're not allowed to tell me why. I, oh, oh, my God. That is ironic. Tell um, me why. The reason is because I feel like when people are allowed free speech and they're arseholes, um, you can kind of let them hang themselves by showing to everybody that they're arseholes, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a good way of working out who is sound and who isn't. On the other hand... This is the just, internet. Yeah, exactly. And if you're just... The thing is, if you're just going to have a load of really horrible, toxic comments on something, what is the point anymore? Do you know what I mean? It's. Mm. I think after a certain point, there's little reason to have it. So it kind of makes sense. It depends what these toxic comments are. It would be nice for us to go through some <laughs> RA articles and <laughs> find, we'll find, like, how awful find some terribly written like stupid shit but we can't because they've closed their comments yeah and i mean there have there have been several instances in the past few years of like sort of superstar djs like saying sexist or homophobic stuff or whatever and getting kind of 
you know, attacked for that, basically. But then then you've got the whole kind of um, hive mind mob mentality where it's kind of like everyone will just like pile on or whatever. And that, to be honest, that doesn't feel healthy either. Do you know what I mean? You're almost uh, saying there's blame on both sides. Um, yes, though I think there is more blame to be apportioned to the people who are awful and hateful, <laughs> definitely. Well, so, that's, um, that's fair enough. But yeah, I don't know. It Obviously, they can get rid of their comments section. That ain't no problem. Mm. Um, if this was some kind of public thing, then... It would be dodgy. And I think it is more a case of um, uh, not having the resources to deal with it mm. than anything else. I don't think it's quite... Um, I don't. Well, I don't think they're, you know, they're trying to stifle free speech. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that's their motivation. I think it looks bad. I think if you go to a website and it's full of um, horrible, hateful, toxic comments... It looks bad on the company that runs that site. Do you know mm, what I mean? Especially if you're thinking of advertising it on it. Oh, God, yeah. And that's probably one of the other pieces of motivation. Uh, but people will be people and people can be idiots. But, um, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it because they can do whatever they want. It's their website. You know, this isn't free speech doesn't exist solely on residentadvisor.net. Mm-hmm. The, the, the tricky thing is, none of these... You talk about, you know, if it was a public thing. Well, the thing is, all of these sites where you can comment are privately owned entities. So then you get then you get into a kind of a real complicated issue. What we really need is a government-run techno forum, where, <laughs> which is moderated at the taxpayer's expense, where you can be as homophobic and sexist as you like, right? That Excellent. would be a solution, yeah? Are uh, you going to raise my taxes in order to found this? techno forum you're damn right i am buddy and it's going to be a massive tax increase so look forward to that i think that's that's the best solution we have and we can go and do our uh racist homophobic uh what else are we you Um, and i i don't like poor people oh yeah 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 yeah. okay so you're gonna create a load more by driving up taxes exactly make everyone everyone poor i don't like people who like techno oh you I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be on this uh, this new national techno service website all the time. Nice, saying horrible things to people. Wicked. So, you know, that's just how I roll. Yeah, sure. I mean, what surprises me is that more companies don't disable YouTube comments because they can yeah. be totally toxic. Yeah, I mean, I guess it only seems to happen on stuff that is really awful. What, anyway, why do you use the word toxic? Like, is it is it? infectious yes yeah it creates um it yeah yeah totally it creates it's like a snowball effect it just spreads bad vibes and bad karma james these are these are scientific terms i'm using i hope i'm not going over your head here no um but yeah it just creates a negative environment that feeds on itself um and yeah it's just it's not cool it's not this is not what i imagined when the internet like came out do you know what i mean Mm. i was like this is going to be a great step for humanity you know we're going to have a lot of very uh, erudite discussion that's going to open people's minds turns out we're not mate it's just going to people going to be like slagging each other (laughs) off making edgelord jokes or whatever um you know hating on edge it's like a well so um if you're an edgelord, you just try and say the most defensive thing uh-huh. possible. So, you know, making <clears throat> jokes about gas chambers, for example, which I'm sure is the sort of thing that they would have had to deal with uh, on RA. It's not really fair enough, is it? Mm. 
I mean, no. No. It's not, and uh shouldn't have to have some website that just wants people to talk to have to deal with all the dodgy crap. But, you know, once this starts becoming, like, if it happens on more public forums, then you start to get into issues. But... Yeah, RA can do whatever the hell they want. Well, they say they want to foster an environment for sort of positive discussion. I don't know how they're going to do that. Well, I don't... I think... Like, if you're not going to hire a freaking mod, how are you going to do that? Yeah, the the internet in general has to work together to foster an environment for positive discussion. Mm. And um, I don't think humanity is up to that. Well, do you know what? Um, I was unable to sleep last night, so I was watching the live stream of the Trump address and the Democrats' response to it on mm-hmm. YouTube. And uh, I, I think it was YouTube. Well, anyway, wherever I was watching it, they had um, there was like a live chat, and there was a thing on the live chat where if if it if like the algorithm or whatever detected a comment that could be abusive it would flash it up and it would say, is this abusive or not? And basically everyone would vote on it, uh-huh. which is a kind of interesting way of crowdsourcing it. That's kind of cool. But, you know, then you are going to end up kind of like with the tyranny tyranny of the majority. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's it's real tricky. More ideas like that is what we really need. I mean, it's probably going to end up being some kind of AI thing, basically. And then it's going to be the computers telling us what to think. Do you know what I mean? Well, at least it's not people telling us what to think, eh? Do, yeah. Do you know what? If if I've got a if I've got to worry about a computer telling me what to think versus a human telling me what to think, I'm going to go for that computer every time, buddy. Yeah, humans will just end up selling you essential oils and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly, man. Whereas computers, cold, hard and logical, just how I like it. Tim, you've seen Debbie Does Dallas. No. You've seen Pamela Does Tommy Lee. Maybe a little bit. Now feast your eyes as Beringer Does Eurorack. Oh my god. Cheap ass Eurorack. So Beringer had previously announced a uh, run of 13 different Eurorack modules. Lucky for some. Based on Roland's System 100. Mm. Um, Now they've said they're going to bring out 40. What? And they're all going to be sort of 50 to 100 US clams price range. That's pretty reasonable, I guess. Yeah. Now, are these, these are, are they all based off Roland System 100? Like, if you make modular gear, can't you just basically make it up and not just copy someone else? I think it's less uh, research and development if you're nicking someone else's design. I mean, yeah, but technically any other company would have done so much research and development in the past that they don't need to do much for this. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> like, Beringer seemed to have got the art of getting stuff made cheaply down, so I don't think we should question it. True, true. So what do you think about them moving into modular? Um, I think these will probably be quite popular because their stuff like the Boog is very popular. Mm-hmm. I think people love to um, expand their synths. So, and it seems like people who do Eurorack are addicted to it. So, I would imagine they're going to sell an absolute ton of these, mm. and they're cheap enough for people to want them. It's they're impulse priced. I guess it'll take a while for us to see how well people like the durability which is often an issue with Behringer stuff, according to lots of people. 
But, I mean, I guess once it's plugged into your rack... Exactly. You're not exactly going to be lugging it around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not going to be taking it to Vienna and taking it up a mountain. No, no, indeed. Unless you've got a modular synthesis meetup in a, uh, a mountain. Oh, whatever, whatever. But yeah, I am interested by this because it sees them moving into something else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know whether to be sceptical or not. Um, they'll probably do a half-decent job... Uh, It'll they'll be produced very quick, no, very cheaply mm. by people working in factories in conditions that might be suboptimal. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows what the uh, standard of living is around Music Tribe City? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I wouldn't want to work there myself. Um, also, I don't want a Euro rack. Right, you still don't want it, even uh, if it's uh, either, extra cheap. Because the thing is, even if you were going to buy the simplest thing, you're going to have to buy the freaking rack to put it in. You're going to have to buy an oscillator, envelopes, filter. <laughs> I don't want to buy an oscillator. You're going to have to buy an oscillator, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some kind of gate thing, presumably. I don't know. Then so. if you ever want to record it, you've got to buy something to get the signal out of it. Well, I've got that stuff, but whatever. Um, I mean, I'm sure this will be popular. I'm sure they're going to sell an absolute ton of these. What do yeah. you think? Well, I, I'm technically a little bit surprised because I would have expected the modular... Um, I'm not going to call it a fad because it's in no way a fad, but the modular... Um, what's the word? Trend? Yeah, the modular trend to have died down a bit. And I would have expected this to be a bit late in the game for Behringer because I I think it's been going on for quite a while now. I don't know. I think this is a good time. I think a lot of people are into modular now. Um, Maybe the only way is up for modular. I think so, man. And it seems like synths have really overtaken guitars as like the hipster musical go-to. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. It's because they like the patch cables. People love plugging things in. It's very satisfying to plug stuff in. It's a bit like Lego. Um, yes, t- absolutely. And I think I think when people are mucking about with this stuff, they feel like that they are doing something, even if they don't actually make any music with it. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, even if they're just dicking about and can never get those genius things back. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I mean, for me... That is a real big drawback. Um, even if I had the money, I don't have the time to spend ages making a patch and then potentially taking pics on my phone so I can remember the settings. Mm, it would just I mean? it would just feel very slow to me. Like the other day, I I whipped up a track for demonstration purposes, and within I don't know ten minutes. I just had a bunch of stuff already. Mm. With a modular system, it would, in the same amount of time, I might have one interesting sound going yeah. in sequence, but then that's just one sound. Mm. And then I would never be able to get that sound back. I'd have to commit to it and mm-hmm. record it. And committing is good and everything, but then I'd have to start on a whole new thing, change all the settings again mm. to get my other sound in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is this is it's almost like it's a hobby separate from actually making music. Do you know what I mean? It does feel like that in some ways. I mean, for some people, it might be more like that, and for some people, it might not be that at all. I think it's going to be a very small proportion who actually 
end up using this for the majority of their music making, you know? Mm. Well, it's still, you know, it's good that there are more things out there yeah. and more ways of making music out there. We're sort of stratifying everyone and specialising everyone into the thing that they're most into. Mm. The thing is, it's for techno, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not really for much else. And and if you were, if I was making techno, a lot of techno, I would love to have a modular synth, like a modular synth. That would be great. But it's just, but if you're doing other stuff, it just doesn't seem that practical, you know? I like how they've started doing software modulars, just like VCV Rec. Mm. But I mean, I think a lot of them have taken off. Mm. A lot of people see them as the best of both worlds. But even that doesn't appeal to me. And I think it's just, and I guess it's, um, I guess it's an unwillingness to make things more complicated than they should be. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, if you like the analog paradigm, but you're you want to do it digitally, then a, a software modular is fine for you. That's completely fine. It's just not for me. Yeah, and the thing, the thing is, soft synths now they do sound great. They don't sound quite like analog. They do sound great. Um, and they're very quick and easy to use, unlike modular, you know? And maybe maybe it's a kind of whole work ethic thing. People think they spend a bunch of time plugging patch cables. That somehow inherently gives what they're producing, you know, it makes it more authentic or more worthwhile in some kind of way, you know? And maybe to them it does, but not to everyone. No, not to everyone. And also what annoys me is you'll see people doing these jams on these crazy modular setups that they've recorded with the, like, as a video on their phone using their phone's internal mic. And it's just like, come on, guys. (laughs) That is kind of defeating the points. Do you know what I mean? Falling at the last hurdle. Yeah, yeah. It's like your your chain is only as strong as the weakest link. You know what I'm saying? Another interesting point is that this... You can't call modular synthesis new. You you could call Eurorec modular synthesis kind of new. But, like, I mean... In many ways, modular is just a throwback. Yeah, it really feels like a throwback, totally. And I think it can be easy to forget that with all the new things coming out. But this is a way it used to be done. Mm. And it's not... I mean, some of the things are innovative, but you can't always describe the whole thing, the act of doing it, as cutting edge. And maybe that's what people like about it, and that's fine. Mm. But um, there shouldn't be any confusion that, like, this isn't necessarily... 100% 100% progress. Some of it is progress and some of it is interesting and some of the things you can't do in any other way. Mm. But it's not... Um, let's not get it wrong about what this is. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel like this is the cutting edge of music technology. No, which I is strange because a lot of resources and money are going into it. Yeah. Which is fair. But, you know, it's just like, you know, if you like vinyl, cool. Yeah, get yeah. on with your vinyl. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate on people for being excited by this stuff at all. I think it's, uh, you know, it's gonna gonna make open open this uh, avenue up to a lot of people. So fair play, and like especially if they've already invested a little bit in Eurorack, and now they will be able to, I guess, you know, expand their possibilities pretty cheaply. Yeah, then. Behringer doing well. Let's uh, let's see what the future is for Eurorack. Maybe, uh, who knows? I think there are enough companies to keep it afloat in the long term now. Oh, I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's enough out there to even make a 
decent second-hand market and people will keep on with it. Mm. Imagine how cheap these, these things will be second-hand. Bargain us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll be getting down to cash converters in the years to come. Oh, yeah, mate. Yeah, just, totally. just to look at them, not to buy them. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, Tim, that was uh, eye-opening and illuminating whatever was just in that episode. Yeah, yeah, I bet it was amazing, whatever it is. So, uh, great stuff. Yeah, that was perfect. Um, But yes, in two weeks' time, we shall be back, and we shall be sorting you out with all the scoops from NAM, I guess, which will no longer be scoops, because they'll be a bit late. It will be mature news at that point. We'll have the time to think about it and kind of, you know, really come to terms with it, I guess. Yeah, we'll put on, like, some some hard lingerie and uh, hard lingerie yeah it'll be for the older gentlemen okay right mature okay. news oh my god okay well that's that's the end of the podcast forever then if that's what's going <laughs> up yes but it will be a considered approach to the scoops from now yeah a sideways glance that has been well considered how about that that sounds good I can get with it we will speak to you again in two weeks from beyond the grave Woo!